so a bit more inspiration from Tara Brach about uh, becoming uh, curious about being aware, turning attention to its source. So she writes, I found it helpful to think of existence The entire play of sounds and thoughts and bodies and trees as the foreground of life. So I found it helpful to think of existence, the entire play of sounds and thoughts and bodies and trees as the foreground of life. So that's what is uh, what is called SEM, yeah? so the stream of sense data and what your conceptual mind does with the stream, the labels and values and judgments you put on them. So uh, part of our practice is uh, within that uh, movement uh, to put um, one object on the stage on, uh, into the center of your awareness and cultivate, and cultivate stable attention with it. and. I have been using the example of the breath. One of the skills we, uh, we discover in meditation is to relax the grasping to what is moving on that level. Because when we, when we, when we, want, when we want something else than what is happening, so we grasp for something which you don't have, then you suffer. And when you reject that which is happening, you suffer as well. So these are, these are the immediate causes for suffering is grasping. So more we train in, in our meditation to relax the grasping, more uh, uh, our, our subjective suffering will decrease. And more we struggle with uh, the flow, the display of our karma, uh, more, uh, more we suffer. So we develop the skill to, we develop the skill of equanimity. Yeah. So, so that's one. The entire the foreground, yeah. So she calls it the foreground here, and awareness as the background. So now we are awareness here. When she says awareness, you know, people use the awareness for different things. When she says awareness here, she means unconditioned awareness, pure awareness, the ever <coughs> the ever present witness, the one who knows. That's what she means when she uses the word awareness here. So this is this metaphor of the clouds and the sky, Sem and Rigpa. Yeah? So this very simple model of the mind. There's the level of the conditioned mind and there's the level of the unconditioned mind, that what is not changing. 
So I already said that this is a provisional model because actually the moving mind and the non-moving mind are not two separate things. The relationship is more the relationship of the wave with the ocean. Yeah? Yes, something is something is moving there, something is uh, happening there, but the stuff from which, is, from which it, is, it is made of is awareness. So in the Zen tradition, the shift from focusing on the foreground of experience to resting in pure being is called the backward step. <coughs> so to resting in pure being. Of course, this is all you know, descriptions of something which you, in the end you can't describe. Yeah? But you know, maybe for, for someone here, this could be like a pointer. What, what does she mean? Resting in pure being. Who is resting in what? What is the experience of resting in pure being? I, I can't answer this question. I'm just... Uh, you know, it's more like a poem. So when you hear resting in pure being, what is happening for you? Can you notice a shift? Can you notice a letting go? Yeah. Can you kind of know? Can you notice what pure being? Uh, pure being. It's just a word. But it could be when you hear that word, some, that something in you happens, and and you have a sense. Yeah. Somehow I know what she's talking about. I don't understand it, but something in me, something in me knows already the way home. So resting in pure being is called the backward step. Yeah? So the backward step. Whenever we step out of thought or emo emotional reactivity and remember the presence that is here. So that's another <coughs> word. The presence that is here. So whenever we step out of thought and emotional reactivity. So this is, of course, this is something which happens. Yeah, so here in meditation or in the breaks, also in daily life, that we start to become aware of the difference of being completely entangled and identified and uh, um, kind of like this, yeah, with an emotional reactivity. We take it serious, we take it personal, we take it real, it's the most important thing in the whole universe happening and uh, it's happening to me and it's really it's really difficult it's really a problem yeah so we, we, ha we have this kind of attacks self self-centered attacks of self-centeredness uh, and uh, and then something happens 
maybe in our meditation practice, but maybe through, you know, we step out into the nature, we go to the sauna, and suddenly, suddenly we, we notice, oh, I can step out of the drama. I can, I can, I can look at it. I'm, I am not my reactivity. So we can, we can relate to it. And maybe we can even start to introduce seva into the relationship and, and relate to it in a, in a kind way, you know, as if it's, as if it's an aspect, aspect of ourselves with, which, which we now can give what it needs. Yeah. So because we have stepped out of it. So this is, um, when we ever step, when we step out of thought or emotional reactivity, so that's one thing. And then the next is, and remember the presence that is here, we are taking the backward <coughs> step. Yeah. So we step out of reactivity and then kind of, so we withdraw our attention from, from the reactivity and we become aware of the presence which is there. We become aware of the of that which is aware, that which is looking. So initially, there could be a sense of a kind of observer eye, no? as if actually the eye has stepped out of of that drama, and there is this. And then you could say something like, "Yeah, I am not my feeling because I'm aware of my feelings." I am not my reactivity because I am aware of my reactivity. I am not my problem because I am aware of the problem. Yeah? So there is a sense of a kind of central position from where you look at your reactivity. But then if you start, explore, if you start to explore deeper, then you realize uh, now I would need a third hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's why she has four hands. <laughs> so, um, so now, so you have this, I am aware of my reactivity, but then suddenly, who is aware of that one? Yeah. So then, then, so then you do make so this is one backward step and then you do the next backward step yeah so who is aware of the one who is aware mm -hmm. yeah uh, so and then and that's then that's then the step backward until there is nothing to step back into anymore there's groundlessness and that and that groundlessness has no has no position yeah. So here we still have the feeling, oh, there's a localized I looking at a localized problem. But then, if you step out of that, then, then you are kind of, you dissolve into all this, including this. I mean, this is not, this is also you, yeah? but you dissolve into all of this, in, into the whole container. Yeah. So that's the backward step until there's nothing, nothing anymore to step back into. So you become 
or you 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 don't become you 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 realize you experience that you and you is not a good word here anymore but that you are the presence you are that non-localized know this now i need four four hands <laughs> yeah? i need the reactivity i need the observer self and i need the one who and then <laughs> now I now I know she is well, why she needs four hands. I mean to explain this, you need to you need four hands. So we are taking so now she she says the same in different words. If we wake uh, if we wake from a confining story of who we are, so we wake. Well, that's that's why it's called awakening. It's like awakening from a dream. Yeah, so it's maybe a better word than enlightenment, but it's it's like awakening. Yeah? So that's what the Buddha said you know, when he was asked, you know, "Are you a god?" <coughs> and so on. And he said, "No, I am awake." Yeah? Um, so if we wake from a confining story, so the awakening describes the process from the identification from the content with your experience to the context of your experience. There's a shift of identity before you are identified with the content of your experience, with the feelings, with the thoughts, with your memories, with your name, with your gender, with your role, with uh, with your problems, particularly with the problems, they are very important. That's why we can't let go of them because you know it makes us feel who we are. So we are we identified with the content of our experience, and awakening means awakening means the shift of identity. We we wake up from that from that identification to the identification identification with the content uh, with the context. So, so the context is that in which the content is contained. That's the context. In the metaphor of the clouds and the sky, it's the, the sky. So you wake up uh, from being the clouds to being the sky. And you, of course, all the way long, you have been already the sky. From that, nothing happens. It's not, you know, nothing changes. You, you you just confirm what what you already are now, so in that sense it's it, you are going to have initially the same kind of feeling, the same kind of sense of I and everything, everything I mean, and you have to pay your bills and and uh, and stuff like that, and and your body will continue to to uh, to uh, to decay and stuff like that but you are not identified with it anymore. You are identified more, you are identified with that which is bigger than you. And now you, I mean the, the little you, the mini-me. So if we wake from a confining story of who we are, and reconnect with our essential awareness, reconnect with our essential awareness, 
So essential awareness or innermost awareness, that's the translation for Rigpa, the Tibetan term Rigpa. We are taking this backward step. When our attention shifts from a narrow fixation on any object, sound, sensation, thought, and, recog and recognizes the awake space that holds everything. That's quite, quite uh, for me, a, a nice poetic expression. Uh, recognizes the awake space that holds everything. So this is kind of what I sometimes uh, helplessly try to point out when we meditate. Yeah? So exactly this, this, uh, this, sh this shift, she describes it like this. When our attention shifts from a narrow fixation on any object, sound, sensation, thought, or the breath, whatever it is, and recognizes the awake space that holds everything and recognizes the awake space that holds everything. We are taking the backward step. So this is a poetic, it's, it's a kind of attempt from her side, like a poem to describe what you can't describe. But she is talking about an experience. She is not, it's, it's not a philosophical idea for her. It's not like you know, something he, she, uh, uh, she, uh, she, she read somewhere and she's just a parrot, you know, saying, saying these words. It, it's her attempt to share with you uh, something uh, uh, like a, a common human experience, which, uh, which is very precise. The experience is difficult to describe, but she's very... The, the, she, this experience is very precise. It's the same the, the Buddha had. It's the same Jesus had. It's very precise. It's not like wishy-washy kind of... No. It's, it's very distinct. It's a very specific experience. Uh, so, and she... she, she and, and that's her way to kind of... She, she says it like a poem to invite you to become curious. Uh, what, what does she mean? Where is this in my experience? Because it's happening now. You don't need to go somewhere else. You don't, you don't need to read more books. You don't need to have more purification or knowledge. Or It's happening now. It's for free. It's, it's, the problem is not that it is, uh, that it is um, difficult or far away. The problem is too close. It's too ordinary. It's, it's because it's the one thing which has been there all the time. So it's quite modest, you know. It's like, it's not like, you know, it's not shouting like, hey, here. No, it's because it's just there for free. What do you think she means by holds everything? Is it like include everything without holds everything? Yes, yes, yes. It holds everything, like the sky. Like this many Yeah, ah. yes. Uh, and the sky is, is uh, holds a thunderstorm or a bird. Ah. Mm. It holds everything. Mm. Yeah. We come to this realization when there is nowhere else to step. 
yeah, when there's nowhere else to step. Mm -hmm. So in this, this moment, when there's nowhere else to step, can be, uh, can be relieving, can be, can be a moment of awe or of wonder, but it, it can be also a, a moment of being scared, of getting afraid. So, because it's it's where you kind of where you die, yeah, and it is uh, you know, the the death process is in a way you can describe the death process as these backward steps, but in the in the death process it's being forced on you. You don't have any choice because your conceptual mind loses its power to hold things together. Yeah, so, because your conceptual mind loses its power to hold things together, uh, and this is what you think you are, you know, the stories and the labels and the feelings, you kind of, you lose the ground. Yeah? So, okay, yeah, there, memory is gone. There, relationship is gone. There, my name, gone. There, that I was, uh, 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 that I wrote a book, gone. It's gone gone, gone, yeah, so, and then, yeah, so th that's the backward step, uh, and then we come to this realization when there's nowhere else to step, yeah, so when there's nowhere, where, when there's only infinite radiant beingness with nobody there anymore. And of course, it, maybe that sounds exciting, yeah. But for the little ma, for the little eye, it's the, I mean, it's the most scary thing. The the little eye will resist this process completely. And in the death process, the little eye will probably have a panic attack in that moment because it's uh, it's it, it's uh, losing its ground. So uh, uh, exploring unconditioned awareness or pure awareness in the death process, process teachings, it's called the clear light mind, the clear light mind of death, or Ösel is, is, is the Tibetan word, the clear light mind of death. But it's the same. I mean, it's just another name uh, for the same. So. Uh, uh, exploring unconditioned awareness in this way or non-dual awareness is a good uh, preparation for the death process because you 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 make you make yourself familiar with your true home the home you will never uh, the home you will never lose you know this is this is the refuge this is the buddhist refuge so if you can turn to that in times of distress uh, and in times of sickness, it, it, it's it's the most powerful resource. So we come to this realization when there's nothing else to step, no anything, no anything. I have to read this again. We have relaxed back into the immensity and silence of awareness itself. We have relaxed back 
you have relaxed. So, no, we, there is no I which can relax back. No? But, you know, how to say it? <laughs> Maybe one way to say it would be something relaxing back has happened. But there was nobody there who could relax back. So, dissolving has happened. But there was never any, anyone there who could dissolve. So we have relaxed back into the immensity and silence of awareness itself. So we, we relax back into relaxing back into the immensity and silence of awareness itself has happened. And it has already happened. <laughs> so nothing needs to change. It has already happened because you're already that. You just you just don't know it or you don't trust it. You don't need to dissolve anything. You are already that. <laughs> the sky does not need to do anything. It just needs to realize that it is the sky. But you know, so these words they 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 you know they are you know, some teachers say it's resting as awareness, yeah, resting as awareness. So, what some people say resting in awareness, yeah, but it's also resting in who who is resting in awareness. In the re in the resting in the re awareness. The sense of the one who is resting in awareness has dissolved. There is nobody resting anymore. As long as there is someone resting somewhere, you have not really made the final backward step. It, it will be kind of a provisional observer eye or something like that, which is a good good thing. Yeah. So it's better to be identified with a, an observer eye who can... Uh, 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 hold your problems with seva than being your problems. So it is, and this is what you do in kind of uh, this mindfulness practice you learn in these courses. Yeah, so they they train that. They, they train. It's a dualistic meditation. You you learn a dualistic meditation. Okay, there is the observer and there is the problem, and I observe the problem, and I'm not the problem. I'm not my feelings. And it's dualistic and it confirms uh, the sense of the one who's meditating. So here we go deeper. We, we do that step, yes, but then we go one step further until there's nothing. Yes? The children do this spontaneously, right? When they go sort of Maybe you did it spontaneously. Some children do, yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's interesting that you know people. Some children they have this. Okay, what's behind the universe? And you know, and and th they ask this question, and and they internally they go into the, in the into this infinite spaces. Yeah? Some children do that. Mm -hmm. Yes. So if you have had, if you have memories of this kind of experience, uh, th it can help you to, uh, you know, so you can remember them and you can 
uh, you can bring them into the present moment. Yeah, don't get, get stuck in, in the memory, but through a memory of an experience like that, you can give, bring the taste into the present moment. Yes. So, uh, I just mentioned the three, um, I, some, I mean, I have talked about this before. Uh, there's these three qualities with which, uh, in the Dzogchen tradition, they, they describe, or they, yeah, they describe that uh, that infinite um, that infinite now I have used so many names I, I don't know which one I uh, unconditioned awareness pure awareness yeah? so in some Buddhist tradition they refuse to say anything about it and probably this is the best yeah so in, in some Buddhist tradition, uh, they they just say what it is not. So they take everything away. This, not this, not this. That's what the Buddha does in the Heart Sutra. And then he has everything in his little bowl, and then he runs off. <laughs> and it, huh? <laughs> now what? So that was very hard for the monks. You know, some of, some of them fainted, and some of them vomited blood <laughs> because it was just too, you know. Uh, so, so that's why he came back to the to the third turning of the wheel, where he talks about Buddha nature. So he said, "Oh, I can't le I can't leave the guys like that. They completely <laughs> confused. I have to give them something." Yeah. Uh, so, and, but it, it, it's it's uh, it's a challenge, uh, not to not to make this nothing into something when you describe it, because as soon as you start to describe it, we get ideas, and then we search for the ideas. Yeah. But anyway, there are the three things, and take them lightly as pointers. The first is the cognizant nature so that's the space is not just this space which gives also space to things but uh, the space we are exploring when we explore pure consciousness mm -hmm. is knowing yeah it's cognizant it's aware so that's the first quality the second quality is it's empty. So that has different meanings uh, when you use empty here. One meaning is it is empty of any characteristics. So it has it has no color, it has no shape, it has no it has no localization. <coughs> you can't you can't find it as something. Yeah. It's a kind of a different kind of phenomena. It exists, obviously, because you hear these words, but it's a completely different kind of phenomena than what we usually mean when we talk about phenomena. Yeah? So it's unfindable. 
uh, and then the third is uh, Tara Brach calls it tenderness. So that's the Zeba quality. There is a goodness there. There is an intelligence there. So it's not an empty nothing. It's a kind of vibra vibrant, intelligent uh, nothing containing the five wisdoms. Yeah? You know, the, the five the five uh, the, the five colors the, the different colors of the of the wisdom mind so so it's not um, it's not like a, a nihilistic empty space but there's there's a that's why sometimes this this space this ground is is called the the great mother because there is a goodness in it this is something which in some tradition, like in the Christian mystics and the Islamic mystics, they emphasize that quality a lot. You know, they talk a lot about the beloved and love and God's love and uh, and things like that. So, so they emphasize this uh, this seva quality in this realization of uh, pure awareness a lot. So that's the three qualities. And I will repeat them again. I will also, uh, at one point, read to you what uh, what uh, Tara Brach uh, says about these uh, three qualities. So hold it lightly. Don't make yourself confused. Or start now the big search for unconditioned awareness or something like that. <laughs> you know, it's uh, you know, uh, no, it's coming. It's you know it's it's coming you can't even if you want it you can't stop it it's coming just uh, uh, can, can i just ask yeah question about this uh, when you take the second step and you can't go any further yeah is it then it all disappear oh, what the 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 thing who for Occupied my mind. No, it doesn't disappear. That was. Uh, it, does, it doesn't. Not, no. 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 That is the disappointment. Yeah, that is the disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was a good. Uh, yeah, this is a disappointment. We were hoping that it goes away, but you will be still your your old. Uh, it is. It is like when when. Uh, I have the breath and uh, this uh, thought come or, or uh, this storyteller come. Mm. But it's like when I observe it, it disappears. When I see it come, it just go away. Mm. So it don't be there. <laughs> it don't mm. still be there mm. to observe on it. Mm. Yeah, see. Yeah, uh, it makes sense. So see, just step backward and see uh, if there's a change. Of course, there is a change in intensity for sure, because you the the resistance dissolves. Yeah. Uh, mm. Let's let's observe it. What happens with? With your problem or with what is uh, what is 
what is in the content of your experience. Yes. Mm. I get the feeling when I don't see the problem anymore, then I, I don't go there. I'm not interested in it. Mm, mm. There's nothing to solve. Mm, mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's fixed uh, in my mind. Yeah, it still yeah. exists, but uh, yes, yeah. I don't have it to ceases to be a problem because yeah. problem is a label. Mm. Yeah. But still, if you, for example, sit here with uh, an ulcer, then uh, stepping out of the identification with the ulcer will probably help the healing of the ulcer, but it will not immediately disappear. But it can cease to be a problem. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it doesn't occupy my mind. Yes, like yeah, 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 yes, yeah. yeah. Then I also ask about, uh, sometimes we say clear and knowing, so this clear is referring to emptiness. Yes, yeah. 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 that's the shortest definition in the mm. Buddhist psychology of what is mind. They have this definition, clear and knowing. So knowing mm. uh, is the knowing quality and clear is referring to the emptiness. But they yeah. don't speak so much about the third. No. No. Uh, it's good to hear. No, this is a this is the the this clear knowing. The definition comes from the Abhidharma, which is a very early Buddhist text mm -hmm. before the uh, before the Mahayana scriptures appeared. So, and the teaching and the teachings on Buddha nature they didn't appear in in that context as well. So uh, this. But then, so they they kept on sitting with this mm. definition, and then they realized, hey, there's something missing. Mm -hmm. yeah, I yeah. think it's so lovely to hear about the personal yeah. 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 Okay. So now uh, let's uh, sit quietly, and then we'll do some walking. Just notice with what kind of energy you're sitting right now, or this conversation and this talk, how, how, how did it make you feel? <coughs> so just embrace with the in-breath whatever is there. Start with the whole body. And be aware not to shut down peripheral awareness. So there is a sense of openness.
book from thinking drop from the head into the body Then if it is supportive uh, for you, you bring the breath to the foreground and here, as best as you can, bring the breath, breath into the foreground with some vividness. your mind stays energized. And within peripheral awareness there's the birds, there's this voice, other sensations in your body. that you struggle or that you put too much tension or effort, then you bring out breath, you soften your legs without sinking, without sinking into dullness. So at this stage in our meditation, it's okay to have a bit of a self-talk, a bit of a self-guidance. So this is not a problem. Repeating some instructions you have heard from me or from others, so that's completely fine. But uh, you return to the object Keep it in the foreground.
then of course there might be moments where you perceive the sensations of the breath without any words, without any labels, just the pure sensations, possibly with some vividness. experience right now, whatever is in the foreground of your experience, maybe the sensations of the breath, maybe some dullness, some sleepiness, maybe some distraction. It's all happening within awareness and it's in the nature of awareness. There's nothing else. Like a dream. Whatever you experience right now is made from the stuff dreams are made of. So these appearances within consciousness, made from consciousness, are empty, they are unfindable like a rainbow. They vividly appear, but if you look closely, you don't find anything concrete, solid, substantial. It is what it is because you make it into what it is. There is nothing behind. There's no core, it's all made up. This is like a dream. It's vividly appearing, but it has no core, no substance.
this includes the sense of I. This includes the ego. you have stabilized your mind a bit with an object, possibly the breath, with some vividness, then at one point you might become a bit curious about that which is aware. Who is looking? step. And another one. And another one. Peaceful, that's not it. Step backward. At one point you might feel, yeah, now, now, I, now I get it. Step backward. Oh, this is not it. or bored or frustrated, step backward. still some attention to the breath. But the curiosity goes more towards the source of the breath. That which is aware, that which knows the breath. space which contains everything, the knowing space which contains everything.
So the knowing space which contains everything is not separate from what is contained. So it's not that we try to break through to something behind. Again, a possibility uh, to use to emphasize stabilizing the mind uh, with bringing an aspect of your experience to the foreground vividly, being curious about it, for example, the sensation in your feet. 
So at one point in, in your meditation practice, the topic of dullness becomes really important. And we have to talk about it a bit more. Because uh, dullness is very seductive. There's a pleasantness in dullness. And in the investigation, in pure awareness, there, there is this danger that we get into a kind of spaced out, dull, kind of pleasant state. So, and one, one part of starting to recognize dullness, and of course it's very important not to start to fight with it, but one way, uh, one part of starting to work with dullness is to become aware when the mind is not that dull, kind of to get the difference, to get to know the difference. And I guess now when you get up and you get out there and you open, you will notice your your mind starts to energize. You feel more, there's more vividness in your mind. There's more clarity in your mind. There's less dullness in your mind. So and just be aware of that. Yeah. Uh, and then, And then probably when you come back here and kind of then, you know, the dullness starts to starts to uh, starts to come again so so that's like one of the first steps is, is to get to know dullness in this way by remembering how it is when it's not dull yeah? so as I said don't make it an enemy don't struggle with that but just become aware yes I had a hard time breathing right now mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I was just thinking, is it the air in the room? No. Mm. Mm. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, so the, the instruction is to uh, to be aware. Okay, it's hard. I have a hard time to breathe. I'm curious about it. How does this feel? What is happening? So that's like, so that's like when the Buddha says, so you're aware when the breath is shallow, the monk is aware. When the breath is long, the monk is aware. So um, do you think it had to do with, uh, with the state of your mind, that your mind was tired and that you couldn't, uh, that this, what is called dullness was not um, was not able to uh, to stay connected with the more subtle. Um, in the morning, um, the morning sessions, I was concentrating on the out breath, mm -hmm. and then the in breath came spontaneously, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and now it didn't. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. Just just notice. I mean, just observe this. It can have you know, different factors playing. Maybe you wanted something to happen. You would have expectations, or you was you were disappointed that it didn't happen like that. 
I mean, it's like different factors how we can can uh, can influence this. Yeah, yeah. but uh, so the Buddhist uh, the Buddhist uh, breathing meditation is always uh, non-manipulative. So uh, you don't. Uh, so you 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 are aware how the breath is, and you 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 let it do its thing. You, you let it find its way so you don't you don't uh, you don't manip you don't try to manipulate it you you are aware and you trust that the breath will find its healthy rhythm by itself that the breath knows how how to do its job you said something about wanting to go with attention to the hands for instance mm -hmm. the body is heavy yeah. yeah. Yes. So what we um, what you know the problem on you know, why dullness arises is because you know there's not so much happening when you're sitting here. It gets bored, and then maybe you have a talk like this. Oh, again, breathing meditation. I know my breath. I have done this before. You know, and then and then you 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 are not uh, curious anymore. So your mind starts to shut down, the energy goes down. And that's when dullness, when dullness, and also the, the, the peripheral awareness becomes more narrow. So that's then the state where you can get startled, you know? Then it's kind of, then there's something happens because if you are vividly present, then, then you will already notice in your peripheral awareness, oh, there is someone coming and so, you you are you will not get surprised by some noise noise outside. So, and one way to um, to bring some uh, some vividness into this again is you know like okay then let's see I, I stay a bit with my with my breath but now I I explore my hands I notice the energy in my hands and with that you energize your mind a bit because you become again curious about something there's a bit a bit uh, effort in it yeah, not too much because then it would be exhausting and more dullness would uh, would come in but uh, just like a little bit so in that way you can uh, you can uh, uh, when you notice that you uh, you you fall into thinking you can start to uh, connect with your hands or with your uh, with your feet so and then you then you explore then you explore that. I think I need to talk about this a bit more, uh, not now, um, because I need to make you curious about exploring the body. Mm. Yeah, so like as if it's the most fascinating thing. I mean, it's like it should be fascinating as you know if you do scuba, scuba diving, you know. I mean, you do scuba diving, and it's like wow, and your mind is, is is vivid, yeah, because it's like wow, you know, fish, and you know, so balance is not setting in when you do scuba diving, yeah. So, but here we can also scuba dive, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> into the feet, into the. Into the solar plexus, into the into the root chakra, you know? 
so we scuba dive and we we, we explore the terra incognito we go we go to to places where no one went before <laughs> <laughs> this is the story of the spaceship enterprise <laughs> diving into, uh, so this is a kind of you know that's why I I know because I tell myself these stories so um, uh, that's why I don't get dull when I sit here um, yes um, I was uh, having like in the first uh, maybe it was for first five minutes or seven minutes like a very strong sexual energy in my body mm. and it was um, and I didn't really know what to do with it, so, <laughs> so no, I didn't want to go there anymore. So then I, I started to get more dosy. Yeah, yes, that was a pity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a waste. Yeah, this is exactly. I mean, this is eros is one of the uh, one of the energies where we can, uh, where we uh, where we, which brings vividness and clarity into the mind. That's why in the tantric teaching you are uh, you arise this energy consciously. You, you go into this, uh, into these, uh, into these areas consciously, and I mean, in, as a monk, you would do it in a uh, in a just in imagination. So you would imagine yourself to be in union with the deity, with Tara, and and you would and you do that because of that. So because you arise the energy, and then and then you uh, you bring this energy into your meditation, into the into the vividness, into the aliveness, into the sharpness. But it, it's not easy. I mean, it's something. It's something which takes time to explore. How, how, uh, how to, uh, how to use errors to increase uh, the crispness and the vividness and the joy in meditation. But it's worth to. Uh, it's worth to explore. So that's what I also meant. At one point, I said when sexual fantasies arise. No, sometimes it makes sense to give yourself a bit space for that, and then you drop it, and then you you stay in that vividness, and what you then turn the mind to, of course, that depends. Then I mean, if your if your focus is uh, to do some breathing meditation, explore what does it mean to uh, meditate on the breath with eros. Yeah. But you could also then make the sensations, the body sensations, the object. So you can become curious about that. So you let, or you keep a bit the breath, but then you breathe into the into the areas where you feel eros the strongest, yeah. And become curious about if you can feel eros not only in the lower chakras but also in the heart chakra, in the hands. So you can also. Uh, spread that so your whole your whole um, your whole system becomes energized but then in the end as with uh, you know as with um, wanting to put uh, p 
pure awareness as the main meditation objects object what we want to meditate on with uh, with a with a heart mind body energized by eros is emptiness that's what we want to meditate on so so you would um, you would uh, you would go for it and then what is aware oh there's nobody there i can't find myself there's nothing there yeah. and uh, in the the mind energized by eros because it's vivid it's clear there's energy in it uh, the insight made by this mind they they might be uh, stronger and deeper than by a mind which is not that energized that's and also it's more pleasant to meditate so you will you will start you will, you will it's easier to get back to the cushion I mean, if you get if you have a bored, dull meditation, you know, then it's not so likely as when you have a sexy, energized meditation. Yeah? So then next day it will be likely, uh, it will be more likely that you go back. That's why the masters have so much energy. Yes. His holiness going around for yes. eighty-three years. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it has a lot to do to. Uh, to use tantric methods of using uh, uh, life's energy in a good way. Mm. So, so don't be don't try not to be afraid of arrows. It's it's a good friend, probably one of the most important friends we have. Okay, so let's do some walking.